Hello, and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Pauline and Alan, and we are breaking down the Gamecocks 41-20 to loss to Tennessee on Saturday night in Knoxville. And I have a bubble in the back of my throat. Um, <laughs> before we get into that, though, uh, just a couple of quick news and notes from around uh, Gamecock land. Uh, first one is in basketball. The on yesterday afternoon, um, South Carolina picked up their second 2024 commitment, uh, three-star Ford Trent Noah, out of Harlan, Kentucky. Um, he's six seven, two hundred pounds. Uh, despite the fact that he's that big body, he's really more of a, a fluid shooter. Um, he really fits into what. Lamont Paris says that he's been trying to build uh, offensively as far as the positionless basketball sort of player where um, defensively he should be able to match up against some of the big men uh, throughout the SEC as he continues to fill out. But um, he's not necessarily going to just like bang it inside uh, and get all of his points in the paint. Um, he can step out and shoot it as well. We'll have more on him in a film room uh, later this week from Perry McCarty, but uh, I think pretty good pickup. Um, he's a three-star um, on Rivals. Um, I've seen him a little bit higher on a couple of other services. And uh, I think generally considered the number two player out of the state of Kentucky in the 2024 class. So not a, not a bad pickup. Um, obviously would have paired nicely with your uh, Cam Scott uh, five-star. But um, obviously, he ended up at Texas. So you you whiff on your top target in 2024, but you get two guys. Uh, the other one, the fin- the Finnish guy that I, his name escapes me right now, um, that I think have potential, uh, but you, they're a little bit of projects for sure. And then the other quick news uh, item that came out this morning, the Florida game time has been set for 3.30 next Saturday. Alan seems pretty thrilled about it. Um, if you are in the state of South Carolina, you know that that is also state fair weekend. So and traffic homecoming. and homecoming. So traffic is going to be not ideal in Columbia on next Saturday. Uh, leave early, all those sorts of things. Um, if you want to get there on time. Um, all right. I think that's a kickoff return that happened last year at the State Fair game. If you were late, you were down seven nothing in ten, or you didn't. You missed a touchdown in ten seconds. With that Texas A&M. That was a get game, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Let's get into what happened on Saturday night. Uh, I guess I'll just start getting both of your general takeaways from what you saw. Um, Allen was in Knoxville. Uh, that crowd obviously played a huge factor, um, and then Pauline and I both kind of watched from our, our separate places. Um, Alan, let's start with you since you were the, you were the one there. Uh, what's your general takeaway from what went down? Um, I think my first main thought, there's so much stuff to unpack from that game, I think. But my first main thing is something Shane Beamer said last night on the teleconference. Somebody's got to win a rep. Somebody's got to win a one-on-one rep. Um, offensive line, well, we can get into the PFF later, not good enough. Um, I think we kind of saw a revert back to what you saw week one. Some perimeter stuff, blocking not quite there. I thought your secondary played okay, but D-line didn't get enough pressure on Joe Milton. Your wide receivers didn't get separation. The short yardage stuff, I think, was 
I think without question, the worst you've seen all year. We'll get into that too. I have some usage questions there. Um, I think he just got outplayed. Like I don't, obviously there's more to it than that. And we're going to say more to it than that. But if you just go position by position across the field, Tennessee played better than you pretty much everywhere. And that goes back to someone's got to make a play and it just kind of never came. Yeah. I feel like as we, as I watched the entire game or whatever, it didn't feel like Tennessee was 21 points better than you as a football team, but they made all of the plays that, needed to be made yes. plus i've couldn't seize any of their opportunities really we'll get into some of those specific opportunities because that's what i talked about in the rapid reaction uh at length on saturday night and yeah when that happens you end up with a pretty lopsided score even if perhaps the talent on the field isn't vastly different um i mean i think you see a clear talent discrepancy in say tennessee's defensive line and south carolina's offensive line at the moment um which played a big factor in this one. But other than that, I thought the matchups weren't, you know, too, too far off. Uh, Pauline, what about you? What did, what did you, what's your just general takeaway from Saturday? Well, I mean, first off, we all know that um, the fans can be very influential on a team. And it was loud in there. I could only imagine, but also a lot of the feedback I was getting from back here was that, they had the utmost expectations that the Gamecocks were just going to blow, even though, you know, if we looked at the past history of the past few games, realistically speaking, that's not how it was going to go down. And because of that, I think the hate is a little bit uh, detrimental on their part because uh, fans uh, flip a switch. But um, a lot of what I saw was uh, – I like this quote a lot because we talked about it, uh, I think, two weeks ago. But Coach Beamer has been uh, putting a lot of new plays in the playbook. And uh, one of the things that he said was the playbook basically consists of everything in the kitchen sink. So which I mean is very true. And I kind of like it, but it's because of the fact that we don't have a strong like O-line. Like we have to. You have to do some different stuff. We can, exactly. So I, again, I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a bad loss. I think it was very much of we played a great game. I mean, the resilience was there. I don't think the I mean, we just we just couldn't connect plays. It, it just wasn't our bad. So that's something you say connect plays. Spencer said post game they never got in a rhythm all night. I think that's kind of how that's kind of about how I felt about it, too. Um, it never felt like you were getting blown out. I mean, even at it kind of we did a 31 10, maybe a little bit, but then Mario pops the run out of there to get you back within 14. You just, it was a one step forward, two steps back night the entire game, I think is kind of where I would put it. Yeah. That's and a really, a, a key moment you're, you're talking about when it started to turn into a little bit more of a lopsided game was Spencer throwing that pick six right before halftime. Um, you just, I think there's a lot of blame to go around on that one. Uh, that's just a play that kind of, I think probably Loggins, Spencer, everyone would want back because uh, it just didn't make any sense, right? It's third and 22. You're throwing like a six-yard curl route or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it was probably like even if it's – Yeah, but probably even if it's on target, it's not turning into a first down. Um, in that scenario, like I, I've always appreciated how – 
how aggressive uh, Beamer's mentality has been since he's been here. Uh, it's been a huge breath of fresh air compared to the Will Muschamp era. Um, but that's one of those where I think you have to play a little bit more of a conservative game. Uh, you you're only down, yeah, you're only down uh, one score at that point, and then it very quickly becomes two, and Tennessee's getting the ball back after the second half, and that's where it definitely sort of spiraled. Uh, to South Carolina's credit, they did – did they stop them coming right out of the – No, the they didn't. There? Okay, Tennessee so yeah. Tennessee scored, that, and then Mario had the one-play touchdown, and then they stopped Tennessee on the next drive after that. Yeah, so that – on the fact that sorry but like i liked your point on the fact that it's not there's no one player to blame i think that it wasn't like you can't put all of the mistakes on the fact that spencer was running the ball and then he threw a pick six or and then um you know like are there's there's so many moving parts that just again didn't connect but i like the point that you said where there's no one person that screwed up today. It was basically just a learning experience, unfortunately. It, it was Tennessee making the plays uh, that football. you need to to win to win a football game, and South Carolina missing those plays. Um, you can look at some statistical points where you probably felt pretty good, right? You uh, got two interceptions off of off of Milton. Um, for the most part, I thought you kind of held uh, their running game in check, although Jalen Wright had a couple of big-time runs, including a 42-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of got away from you maybe down the stretch. Ultimately, Tennessee ends up with 238 uh, rushing yards overall, and they average six to carry. But it, di- it didn't really feel that way, I guess, in real time. It felt like your defense was holding up well enough. Um but every time you had an opportunity to kind of crawl your way back into it, you didn't take advantage of it. Um, I, I wrote about that a little bit in the rapid rapid reaction. But if you want to look at some of these specific times, you had two fourth failed two fourth down conversions that you failed fourth and ones. Um, one was a failed fourth down conversion after you had pulled off a pretty great fake punt um, to kind of keep a drive going, and another one. A little bit later, where you had second and what two, second and one, second, second and, two. and two. Yep, Mario and stopped you, twice, then Spencer stopped on a sneak. Right, and at that point, you were driving early in the third quarter um, with some momentum, mm-hmm. and just really couldn't finish that drive. So you had your opportunities, and you fell short of them. I don't know. That's yeah. I think, the game. I think the the third. Sorry, first one there. You're down. 14-10 at that point, driving to try to take a lead or cut it to one with a field goal. You hit the fake punt. Ten, you get you you got the momentum. Third and one. I I was confused at the time. Shane Beamer sort of explained it yesterday on the teleconference, and I'm still confused. I'm not really sure why that was a Juju McDowell carry in that spot. He said because they wanted to go tempo, and that was the personnel that was in the game. It's the kitchen sink. Everything I can understand not wanting Tennessee to sub in that spot. I do get that, but I think we're all in agreement that in short yardage between the tackles, tough running. Juju McDowell is third out of three main running backs. He's five foot eight. He's hundred seventy something pounds. Like that just felt like a the spot. We've talked about the carry on joiner on the goal line and how he's tough to tackle in short yardage. Um, we've seen Mario get those carries. I thought that was a very weird usage decision on that play. And then Juju loses a yard. Obviously, you're going for it. You're not going to kick a field goal after you've just faked a punt. And then you somehow throw the ball short of the sticks on fourth and two, which is pretty hard to do when you just think about the space there. 
Um, and I think that was another another thing from the game too. You talk about just making plays. Tennessee tackled really well in space. They, they did, yeah. Um, I think a lot of the game plan was just trusting guys to make someone miss to Tennessee to miss tackles, and that just didn't happen. Um, and there was never really a counterpunch for that once it was clear Tennessee was not going to miss tackles and the stuff short of the sticks wasn't going to get you where it needed to go. Yeah, I definitely think your story offensively, um, I, I wrote about this a little bit too, is that you went a lot more horizontal than vertical. Yes. Um, so Spencer Rattler still had a decent completion percentage, 69%. I mean, you'll take that. Uh, he was 24 of 35. But for only 169 yards, you really didn't get down the field very often at all. Um, in these other games throughout the season, you have seen this screen game work a lot to try to create a little bit of a run game when they're, when the run game hasn't been there or whatever. Um, but you've still had some shots down the field to Xavier Legat or uh, Amari Brown or whoever, you know, uh, Eddie Lewis, who we didn't even see very much at all. One the other snap. Um, a lot of that is credit to Tennessee's defensive front being in Spencer's mm-hmm. face all night, six sacks. Um, and also Spencer Rattler after the game said, and, and I'll, I'll have to go back and kind of uh, verify all of those sacks, but some of those sacks were covered sacks. Um, yeah. So your, your guy, guys weren't getting up open down the field, even when you did have the time to get it downfield. So you do have to credit Tennessee's defense for having a good game plan against what South Carolina has shown thus far this year. Definitely. You really missed out. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying definitely predictable as in the fact that we all knew that Spencer is definitely more uh, likely to run the ball than throw it. I mean, which is kind of where I was going to get at. I personally like don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's because Juice isn't in right now or it's just how he is. But you have Xavier Leggett, who clearly has proven he is one of our main like modes of scoring and it doesn't seem like I don't know if there's a disconnect but every time that he's throwing it to him he's he's going deep down the field so I mean I don't I don't understand if he's waiting for juice or if it's just that's his preference but I don't know if that's something Shane wants to talk to him the juice thing was pretty obvious Saturday night that was the first time all year you're looking at that and going okay juice isn't here and that's an issue yeah, because um, yeah. no one gets separation on the outside. Um, that's a credit to Tennessee's DBs for sure. They played about a 180 from what they played last year in this game, but there was nobody again going back to what Shane said last night. I think kind of all roads lead back to there. Somebody's got to win a one on one, someone's got to beat the guy lined up across from them. That just wasn't happening most of the night, especially yeah. on the perimeter. And someone's got to step up as a number two. Um, I think throughout the season, people have started to like opposing defensives defenses and defensive coordinators have started to see that Xavier Leggett is obviously the number one option. Um, he still is winning some battles even when they're focusing on him. But as that focus continues to um, shift towards him and he's getting doubled or whatever, like someone else has to step up and take some pressure off of him or we might see a well, lot more of this. lose him regardless, like it's down that's, and that's, again, just – you kind of running through what Shane Beamer said. And we've heard this almost after every week this year. I think Shane actually said, I know you guys are tired of hearing me saying this, dot, dot, dot. We've got to play the freshman more. Okay, well, that's fine. You got to, if you need them to be ready, Tyshawn Russell played seven snaps on offense. Nick Harbour played six. Um, that's kind of on you. I mean, if you want to play the freshman more, they got to be in the game more. Um, and I think Tyshawn Russell has been fine. 
Um, I think give you a little bit of something in the slot there. I don't know. I guess I'm at the point you start looking at the roster usage. Okay, Leggett, Omega, you feel good there. If you get juice back, that goes without saying. Do you really need 24 snaps of Luke Doty in the slot? Do you really need that? <laughs> Luke Doty lining up in motion, Luke Doty um, pre-snap stuff. Like, and I, like he's, he's, he's been sure-handed, and it does give yes. you like um, a little bit of flexibility, say, to set up a trick play or whatever. But I don't think – I think to your point, I don't know that you need 24 snaps of that, maybe 10. Um, and then those other 14 are going to some of these freshmen and, and getting them some game reps and letting them open it up. I imagine – if you're going to make a move to the freshman, the bye week is a good time to do so yes. as we're heading into it. Um, and then you have a home game against a, I, I, I think, a beatable Florida team uh, who they just got trounced by Kentucky. We can get into that week. later, but I think that's you're going to have to win that game. Yeah, it's one a big of the one. Things I, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was question. Okay. One of the things I was going to think uh, say, though, in regards to freshmen, um, I think a lot of people are expecting an instance like when Nick Amemori had to yep. step up as a freshman and he blew everybody's mind. And I don't think that's going to happen this season. Maybe a miracle. I mean, Kilgore's your closest. Kilgore, uh, yeah. He's playing the same position. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely tougher at other positions too. I mean, well, the reality of it is that like, no one's going to probably be like first. I feel like maybe a second like line, but I don't know if they will ever be holding a position. I mean, I guess Nick Harbor maybe, but. Well, I, I think you don't want to have to depend on freshmen that way. Um, and I think by necessity, you're kind of having to at this point. Um, Tree Babalade, do you still have those PFF scores pulled up in front of you? We sure do. <laughs> what, what, what it is. Tree's number was Saturday yeah, night? It, is, it was low. Like, yeah. Um, that is a 34.6 on 64. And, and I do want to lead. And I, I said this in the rapid reaction. I think he's going to have a great career here. I yes. think he's got NFL potential. I think he's a, he's a great prospect. It's he's a true freshman a playing against an elite defensive yeah. end in James Pierce. Like and he looks like it. Exactly. Um, Pierce only had two only he had two sacks. And then uh, I felt like he affected so many more plays that didn't even show up in the stat sheet necessarily that's an NFL um, defensive lineman for sure definitely and and maybe we've we got a little bit ahead of ourselves because uh tree did hold up so well against georgia's defensive front but georgia's defensive front really hasn't played up to their potential yet this season i don't think in general they only have two sacks on the season or three sacks. it's it's a low number um and yeah we're um we saw <laughs> one-on-one -on -one against an elite D, D lineman. Uh, it's, he's not quite ready for that spotlight, I don't think. Um, I do think that you try to chip with tight ends and running backs a good bit, but I don't know. You still need those tight ends as weapons, too. We saw Trey Knox get a game ball uh, in the loss from Shane Beamer. Um, he was kind of the bailout option a few times on some of those uh, those plays. Okay, but touchdown cool. taken off the board by a false start, which he scored on the drive anyway, but he was wide open in the end zone on that play. He yeah. seems to be wide open very often. Good at finding like, space. Especially at home when I'm on the field, he's literally almost in the end zone. And it goes back to the whole, like, uh, Spencer being under pressure. Like, he can't And that's the problem. You, you need him in to block more often than not, too. So um, it's – I don't think if you 
we're drawing it up on paper that Loggins is getting to run the offense the way that he wants to um, because he's having to work around this offensive line. And this is something that we've talked about every week, but it uh, it came back to bite you in a way that we haven't seen since week one this past week. So I guess kind of taking stock of that big picture. Okay. You're two and three at the bye. I think we all agree the schedule lightens up down the street. Not that it's easy, but the tough part of your schedule is over. You're Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, away from home in the rearview mirror. What's fixable here and what's just going to be what this team is? Is kind of what I wrote post-game in Knoxville. If you want to go check that out, if you're a subscriber. what? How much of this can you fix in 13 days where you play Florida? And how much of this is just, okay, this is 2023 South Carolina football. Work around it is my question. I think it's the latter. Yeah, and, and I think there are, there are better days ahead for some yeah. of these problems. Like we're talking about the offensive line. We've seen them play good against mm-hmm. Georgia. We've seen them play pretty good against State. Mississippi State. Um, I think playing at home these like five out of the last seven games is going to be helpful. Um, that Tennessee crowd did the offensive line no favors. We saw a couple of false starts. Um, you can't account for – checking at the line and stuff and and whether or not they were even on assignment all the time because of how how loud that crowd is that's not something that you're necessarily going to know um as an outside observer but those guys in that room know if they miss some assignments there um yeah i think i think that's something that is going to continue to improve throughout the season you're starting two freshmen on the road in the sec that's a recipe for disaster most of the time i do think that'll be better um the, for me, it's the freshman thing. It's the – and you look at both sides of the ball too. Um, Pop Howard, 19 snaps for the second week in a row. That's – I mean, doing quick math. It's a little bit more than a quarter of the plays in the game. Okay. I thought Pop Howard played pretty well. The PFF grading agrees with that. I'm not going to give the number away. You should subscribe and read the website later. But I thought he played pretty well. I thought you finally saw some linebacker depth that we've been hearing about. Bam Martin Scott had a sack. I think that was the first of his career. Um, also, by the way, while we're talking about linebackers – Ronnie Porter with the hit of the night on special teams. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that came out of nowhere for sure. <laughs> what was that? Um, um, I mean, hey, it was pretty little, funny. Little pat on the helmet for him for sure. Yeah, but getting back to the the actual point there, I think you saw some of that. I just think you're a little bit thinner up front than maybe you thought. Well, you know, T.J. Sanders was banged up; he had a shoulder. Nick Barrett's been dealing with a little bit, although I thought he played pretty well too. Um, and again, who's ready? Is Avery McLeod ready? Is Desmond Umizulu ready? Can you get those players ready over a bye week? Um, I'm going to be very interested to see coming into that Florida game and really the rest of the year, but Florida's the first opportunity. Who plays how much and kind of are these freshmen? Who took a step during the bye week, I guess, is kind of what you got to evaluate. And how much can they help you win immediately? Because I think we're all in agreement that Florida now becomes vital for doing anything this season. And not to digress too far. Sorry, I, I I'll, I'll let you hop in in just a second. Um, the how many snaps did Umiazulu get the other night? Has been Umiazulu played ten snaps out of seventy four on defense. See, I thought I, I I must have just been cued in on those few snaps that he was in or whatever. But I thought he played well while he was in there. Um, he had a couple of pressures and um, blew up one running play that mm-hmm. I can remember. So. I will be interested to see if he gets a little bit more playing time after that performance. Um, maybe the other five plays that he was in that I didn't notice him in, he made some freshman mistakes or something. I don't know. But, um, Pauline, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I just uh, – to your point, both of y'all's points. Um, one, I think 
it's both sides more of the fact that it is what it is. Like these are our players. They were recruited for a reason, but I think the bye week is going to be used as a, let's start from scratch and kind of see if we can put together any better plays because that's all this entire season's about. And freshmen like Pup Howard, like, again, reason why they are here playing for South Carolina, because they are that talented. It's just more of the fact that a lot of the experienced players that we ended up by the end of the season, last season, having a great identity and were playing amazingly, the expectation should not be there because it's just not the reality of the situation. That I do think, though, you bring up a good point. If you're holding on to hope right now, if you're trying to get through these two weeks off a loss, both years so far under Shane Beamer, this team has finished better than it started. I mean, we've talked a lot about those last two games of last season, but you also grinded out a trip to a bowl game in 21 down to, what, your fourth quarterback of the year in November by that point. Um, so I think you combine that with what you're hoping is freshman development with five out of your last seven games are going to be at home. I don't think the sky's falling, but again, I think you've, this is a very critical bye week and obviously a very critical game coming out of it. To be fair, the SEC expectation, I I I think, is blowing up in general. Yeah, I was going to say, Pauline, you brought this up earlier, too. Um, I think because of the way that South Carolina beat Tennessee last year, the fan base perhaps had different expectations going into this game than maybe they should have. I was getting answers of 90 to 0 and then – And I'm like, all right, guys, (laughs) you're about to get your dreams crushed. I'm so sorry. Um, But, I mean, Alan and I, Alan, you picked South Carolina to lose but cover. I picked South Carolina to win close. I think we thought that this matchup was going to be tough, but uh, a winnable one on the road based on how they played thus far. Um, But I don't think either of us necessarily foresaw the offensive line taking the step back that they did, which probably is still – the, the story of, of how this one ended up the way that it did. Um, I think Spencer Rattler still played relatively well for um, how much pressure was in his face. Obviously, he would like to have that pick six back, which was a big uh, momentum swing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think if we're talking realistic expectations, two and three at this point of the season is not crazy. We've all kind of said that that was a possibility. Uh, before the season that you needed to split Mississippi State and UNC, which they did. You had to win Furman. Uh, And they've looked competitive on the road against two tough opponents in Georgia and Tennessee. You know, maybe you, the Georgia uh, game made you feel a little bit more confident going into this one than you should have or whatever. I still think pretty much everything is ahead of you. Uh, Five of your last seven uh, at home. I wrote about this a little bit in the rapid reaction. I think if you're looking for a silver lining, um, there's plenty of opportunity to go around. That said, Missouri and Kentucky maybe look a little bit tougher than they did preseason. A&M looks Um, fine with a backup quarterback. They haven't missed a beat. Right. So uh, by no means, I mean, you're playing in the SEC. It's never going to be easy. Um, Do I still think that you could get to seven wins. Yeah, probably. I think that that's definitely a possibility. I agree that this Florida game is pretty key now um, as you come out of this bye week. South Carolina has been pretty good off the bye. They have been good off the bye. I think that's a good point, too. Um, what were you going to say, Pauline? 
no, I was just saying, like, after this past game of Florida and Kentucky, I, I definitely feel like Florida is more – Florida, did they – They, they got beat yeah. by Kentucky, yeah. So, um, I mean, for us, a little bit of boost of confidence. I mean, it shouldn't be we're going to win because God knows, you know. I don't think you should be afraid of Florida if you put it – Oh, you absolutely not. I think they're coming pretty aggressive. But it'll be like kind of like a like for them like they need this win for them to be like upping their confidence. You, it's we've had this conversation. I don't even know how many times the last two years, three years. For yes, Florida's going to turn around and hand the ball off thirty times. Yes, you need to have an answer for that. That's what it's going to be with ETN. Um, right. We could get into that more next week for sure. Um, but also, Florida doesn't stop the run either. If you can get that going a little bit, if you can maybe look the way you did against Mississippi State in that game. We know Mario at least has some explosive running ability. You saw that on Saturday at Knoxville. Um, that feels like a spot where maybe you can get your running game going a little bit, start getting into some play action a little bit for Spencer. Um, look, it's at home. It's off a of bye week. You're going to be as healthy as you've been all year, probably just by virtue of not playing for two weeks. It's a team you lost to last year, but beat the year before. Last time you had them at home. Go win the game. They were very good when we played them last year. Like they were in a good position, and we were. They had their best game of the season, and South Carolina yeah. probably had their worst. So, yeah. Um, now you did mention Mario Anderson. Is it safe to say that the Decarian Joiner starting running back uh, experiment is over? Should be over? Um, I mean, outside of that one run, which you know, I, I, I hate when people like take away the, oh, if he didn't have that run, because he did. Um, and it was a great run, a uh, 75 yard touchdown run. But outside of that, he was nine carries for 26 yards. Um, you know, kind of the same as what you saw with Mississippi State. Uh, that said, I still think that he's done enough at this point compared to everyone else on the roster that he's got to be your main back yeah. going forward. It's It just comes down to how you want to use Joyner. I still think he should be getting more run and short yardage. He's just so tough to tackle in in those kind of situations with bodies into into in the trenches. Um and he just you start to wonder if that game goes a little bit differently. If maybe it's Joiner instead of Juju on that third and one. Maybe it's Joiner instead of Anderson on that second and two in the third quarter. There's a role for DeCarrier on Joiner running the ball. Definitely. But also I think this is a little bit Again, goes back to the freshman thing. You get more DJ Braswell. If you're really hesitant right now to play Tyshawn Russell and Nick Harbour wide receiver, you do have to carry on Joiner. He's done that before. He was a wide receiver. I mean, I I don't necessarily know if that's what the staff wants to do. If DJ's not ready, if they don't want to take him out of that running back role. I guess I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you can line up to carry on Joiner in the slot, and you know he can do that. It's just more natural position. I think they're not afraid of it with uh Luke so clearly that's what I mean, yeah that's if Luke Doty can do that 24 times to carry on joiner definitely can yeah One of I, and that, it's possible that he does show back up in the slot a little bit go ahead Pauline no I was gonna say um I just made a note of when the game was going on the announcers were talking this was about Xavier but I applied it to Mario as well but he quoted like made themselves like he made himself as in like he's proving like prove why he's there. And I think Mario, that also applies to Mario. Like he developed himself as a D1 player in the matter of two, like a 
couple months. If you're, like, if you're um, talking high points of that game as a South Carolina fan, it was really cool to see Mario score a 75-yard touchdown in front of 100,000 people considering where like he, he came deserves from. that. <laughs> um, and and the, the broadcast did do a good job of kind of showing his reaction on the sideline afterwards, and he, he's feeling proud and uh, should, you should. know, well-deserved, agreed. Um, you know, I we've We've talked about uh, this running back room for almost a year now, basically since Marshawn Lloyd went into the portal at the end of last year uh, and its limitations. But, um, yeah, he definitely deserves a pat on the back for how hard he's worked. And um, the fact that, yeah, he's he's, he's proven that he at least belongs in Power 5 football. Um, Good for him. Um, All right. Other... I guess lessons heading into the bye week. We've seen four games at this point, and they've been kind of wildly inconsistent on the, on the way that they, yeah, five games. You're right. Sorry, uh, five games at this point, and they've been kind of wildly inconsistent in each of their narratives. What do we feel like we confidently can say about the South Carolina football team from a positive standpoint uh, heading down the back half of the season? What are some things that we feel like we can depend on as like this is their identity. You can go ahead if you want, Pauline. Okay. I, I was just going to say back to the individual talent that we have, like, I see it as basically we're molding a piece of clay right now. And we have all those little pieces or like, you know, it's just not where we need it to be. Like Trey Knox is a great asset to us. And honestly, I feel like he hasn't gotten as much recognition or like the right plays as much just on the field from Spencer or um, I don't know. Cause when he does play, he's very, uh, he's on it and he makes amazing plays, but um, I don't know if Spencer has clicked in his head, like made that relationship and that bond that he did with juice or, or I mean, I know they're different, but in the sense that like the confidence wise, at least, cause clearly uh we are trying all different types of plays and stuff. There's no consistency, like you said. So, I mean, why not use him? Why not use DK in a different position if we already have Mario? Like, I think that's something to look forward to in the sense that you guys, you guys out there, Gamecock fans, have to understand that all these players are very talented. It's just they're new and the identity isn't set in stone yet and that's what i think going into this bye week is going to be a huge focus yeah okay so there you have some pieces that definitely work it's just getting it all to work together and i think one of the big reasons it hasn't is just the protection with the offensive line um because you need time for those plays to develop um but yeah all right so individual players and i agree a lot of them are veterans right trey knox xavier legat spencer rattler uh and joiner in the role that he's carved out Uh, mario anderson has taken a step forward um, what about you, Alan? What are some things that you feel like are kind of starting to solidify about this 2023 Gamecock team? Uh, you will have the better quarterback on the field most, if not all, the games left on your schedule. I mean, if you want to split hairs about maybe a, a Devin Leary, um, if you're a club guy um, person, most of the games the rest of the year, you're going to have the better quarterback on the field. Most of the games the rest of the year, you will have the best receiver on the field with Leggett, maybe not like Mizzou, Luther Burden some of that, but most of the games you will. So I think you start there. That's your bread and butter. I think you have something that works there. Um, 
your DBs, I know DQ Smith's had a rough couple of weeks, but Jalen Kilgore looks like a player. Nick Eman Warrior looks good as ever. I think you're going to get healthier there too. You're going to get David Spalding getting some more reps. I think you feel pretty good about your DBs in general. Um, not saying they're going to not have some rough nights, play some spacing, some good passing games, but I think those are the two things you kind of hang your hat on right now. Um, just in terms of having an identity, it's what we've seen throughout the Champion Ray era, but I think it's those two things. And then, yeah, I think youth is kind of what you're, it doesn't count as an identity. And, you know, four years. Like, I think what you're looking at is you feel good about this. I mean, I'd say early returns right now, you feel good about this freshman class, right? You feel good about Pup. You feel good about Umizulu. You feel Jail. good. Yeah, uh, Saturday night aside, you feel good. Kilgore for sure, but Tree aside, Saturday night aside, you feel good about him. Tro, same thing. And you can lean on that as these players get better every week, play more every week, get the field a little bit more. And then special teams. I mean, we haven't talked about it much, but I think that was probably the best special teams game of the year Saturday. Hit the fake punt. Yeah. Mitch Cheater at two good long field goals. Um, pinned him deep a couple times. Pinned him deep a couple times. Kai had a good night. Um, and I still think you can hang your head on that. Yeah, I think uh, the majority of the score making of players is our special teams, but no, nah, I mean it's, it was part of it. There are solid uh, actual like team on our in total. Like we are yeah. pretty much secure on that. I mean, know. you, Alan mentioned you generally feel like you have the best quarterback against everyone that you're gonna face the rest of the season. I think you generally feel like you have the plus sign in special teams against everyone that you're going to face the rest yeah. of the season. Um, and we've seen that impact games. I mean, you, you, the clearest example is probably Clemson last year, right? You win that game yes. because you have the better special teams straight up. So, yeah, um, I think you can definitely feel good about that, especially against a Florida team that struggled on special teams this year. If you're just looking at that game right out of the bye immediately. Yeah. And I think your biggest question marks are can continue to be, can you stop the run on the edge? something that they struggled with last year, something we kind of expected them to struggle with this year because of uh, the of the list of newcomers at Edge that are still settling in. I think that there's some talent there. I think that they've probably held up better than I would have expected a few months ago. Um, but ultimately, there's some big plays that, that, that broke this past week. And then, yeah, your offensive line, can they continue to get better? Um, can you start to get a little bit more creative with how you use the tight ends so that it's not having to stay in and block all the time. Um, can you, can you hit Trey Knox and Joshua Simon down the field? Cause both of them have shown that they can get open down the field. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's really, uh, it's really tough, but it, it comes down to the trenches and South Carolina, their two biggest question marks going into the season were in the trenches and the two biggest things that have kind of, beaten them and the three losses that they have have come down to the trenches and then i just wanted to throw in one more not so much on the 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 strength the weakness the whatever big picture of this program take a thirty thousand foot view what's the expectation like were you obviously you you wanted to maybe get back to that eight win but like if you took a step back to seven but you got a lot of freshmen in and you felt good about this class going into next year where you're going to stack another class i think most realistic people would be okay with that Six, you're kind of frustrated, I think, but I don't think the sky is falling. Obviously, if you miss a bowl game, that's – I think everybody would tell you that shouldn't happen with the level of quarterback play you've gotten. So, you have seven games left. you got to go four and three to get to a bowl game, and I think five and two to get to the point most people would consider 
a successful season. Do you think that's on the table? I mean, I still think it's possible. I think a bowl game should still be I think a bowl game should still be within the realm of expectation. Yes, um, that no, I agree with you. I think six is the floor if you're if you're a Gamecock fan. Six is the floor right now where I think you still feel okay. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah, I mean you got two semi automatic wins in Jacksonville Andy Jackson, State and Vanderbilt. Yep, yep. Um so that gets you to four. And then you have several toss ups starting with this Florida game coming out of the bye. Um I think six feels fairly safe still. Um, I do agree that seven and beyond is where you start to feel like, okay, uh, they did what you guys said before. Like they got better throughout the season um, and you feel good about going into next year. I did see some sentiment online yesterday and and maybe this goes back to Pauline's point about expectations going into this game um, that some people were starting to be out on Clayton White or, Beamer or, you know, Rattler, whatever, like all, all these sort of hot takes. And look, fan bases are going to fan base. Uh, you have a losing record five games into the season. I I don't know what other people's expectations were, but whatever. Uh, people, sometimes people are just going to say everything's on fire no matter what. Um, I think it's very premature for pretty much any of those takes at the moment. Um, recruiting is going pretty well. I do think there's going to be some concern if you lose a lot in the portal this offseason again, yes. like you did last season. Um, but if you can keep pretty much everyone around, bring in that 2024 class that is small but highly rated um, and pick up some pieces in the portal like you have the past two offseasons, I think you feel fine about where everything is going to be. And this is this could be viewed as a consolidating kind of status quo year reloading for whatever's coming next where you have a young Lenora Sellers, you have Dante Reno coming into the program, you have all of these um names that we think are going Your to linemen. I mean you talk about you can help up front, oh. they're gonna be fresh, but they're gonna make mistakes. You bring in a Cam Pringle, a guy like that, like Josiah Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Dylan Stewart on the edge. Yeah. Pretty much all of your trench guys we just talked about. <laughs> exactly. Um have started to be filled in the 23 and 24 class those guys are just freshmen and on high school squads right now so it's going to take a minute yeah that's think, go ahead Paulie. one of the things that i was going to say though to your point is that one of the great things about coach beamer is his ability to recruit and i think since coming to south carolina that was his whole intention of the program is to you know beef this team up we're going to have great players now and we're we still have great players like currently playing, but it'll take time for them to develop. And that's his whole game plan is that he's, it's not going to be again, an immediate change, but like going after these kids, expanding his reach of players that he's yeah, trying he to stuff, yeah. That's where he's known for it. So, I mean, like that's what we're waiting for basically. It's I a guess waiting like, I guess what I would end on is if you, you know, people like tangible stuff, you put a number on it, for me at least, you guys might feel differently. Scale of one to 10, one, you're winning the national championship, everything's fine. 10 is the building's on fire and everything's burning. Panic level is like a three and a half, four right now. I think you still feel generally okay as long as you're still trying. I think most of us said two and three at the bye. Three and a half, four maybe. Although I do think if you lose to Florida and you're staring at the Mizzou A and M back to back at two and four, that probably goes to about a seven or an eight. In my opinion, uh, you maybe, say, 
maybe for this season. For if this I'm season, talking yeah. about the, the program, I'm still going to be below five. I think pretty much no matter I, what happens. Yeah, you know, I said for the yeah um, okay for this yeah. season, I think your panic level goes to a seven or eight if you lose to Florida. And I think right now you're at about a three. And if yeah, I'm looking at the program. If I'm looking at the program in general, I think it's solidly a two or a three. The reason that some Gamecock fans might be saying four, five, six, whatever, um, probably is because of the last guy that was in the building. Uh, yes. You had Will Muschamp, who uh, overachieved the first two years, got paid, and then the wheels fell off. And there are perhaps some within the fan base that are worried that that's happening again. To me, that's not the, the narrative though. that's happening. But to me, that's It'd not be an interesting trend to see if, like, how people hopped into the transfer portal last year, like, jumped ship from our team. If that is a growing trend, like, if that is something that keeps happening, that should be a concern for us. That would be. That would. I think Caleb said that a few minutes ago. But that would worry. That would up your panic meter. I think if you. Go into this offseason, you lose some players. I mean, you know you're losing Spencer to the NFL. You're probably going to lose Juice. I mean, you will lose Juice. Um, Leggett, yeah. you're going to have to. You're going to have to play some pieces. Possible he comes back if he doesn't. He's like stay another year. He's like if a, he doesn't get a if he doesn't get a full season and just flashes a little bit at the end of the year. It depends on when he comes back from his injury. Um, but if he doesn't get a full season, I he might come back. But to, you're going to have passing game pieces to replace. Yeah, um, that's again goes back to you need Tyshawn Russell, you need Nick Harbour, you need Elijah Caldwell hasn't I don't think played at all this year. He didn't travel Saturday. Um, we we heard good stuff of for yeah. for him in the summer. So um, I think wide receiver portal recruiting has been pretty good so far. You need I at mean, least one, I think. Just yeah, the you got season. juice out of the portal. Eddie Lewis, I think, is flashed, even though we haven't seen him. Who they got this past off season? So Amarian Brown, you got out of the portal. Um, so yeah, I think you're probably gonna see some of that for sure. Yep, uh, that's I think about our state of the program for the bye week. Um, ready to take a deep breath. You don't have to watch another game till 13 days. Take so a breath. Sad. I know. Take what enjoy some football in your bye week. Some other games this week. Some fall weather. It's gonna be okay. It is. Yeah. And we will pop back on here on Thursday to talk a little bit more bye week storylines and still give you our picks for the uh, national games of the week and all that fun stuff. It might is be a little bit of a, yeah. Might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but we'll we'll still pop on uh, later in the week. But uh, until then, this has been the GamecockScoop.com podcast. Check out all of our content reviewing this Tennessee game. We'll have some fun bi-week content throughout the week as well on GamecockScoop.com. And we'll see you later.